0: ma Yorana, you're listening to Tereva Neyau, the only podcast currently documenting the voices and lives of Tahitian American families and couples, the long distance, the love stories, our lives between Tahiti and the United States of America, we present to you Tereva <laughs> American dad, Tahitian mom. American dad and Tahitian mom fall in love, have a baby girl, raise this baby girl in Hawaii. This baby girl grows up to become a woman, ends up caring a lot about her people, her culture, firmly rooted in traditions of the land, the environment, how the Nuna'a Ma'ohi can learn how to become like their ancestors and one day sustain themselves without colonial powers involved. This person is my friend, Vehia Wheeler. She's actually gone back to live in Mo'orea and coming from a Ma'ohi background, she explains to me in our interview, how she sees where her people are headed by what she says, walking backwards into the future. I hope y'all enjoy this interview.
1: Yorana, Ryan, and Baidea. uh, First of all, thanks for having me. (laughs) a guest on your um podcast it's a really great kind of community for Titian and american and that's a really important so thanks but uh yeah so i'll start with my mom and dad <laughs> um my mom is born and raised in morea um in the south pacific um our family lineage comes from here at least six generations on my grandma's side and my dad is from california um uh, but his ancestors come from england and scotland uh, scotland and wales and uh they met in Moria and tahiti when he came down to to work um in the, yeah, to, to work here in, in the 80s. So my mom, I think, was travel, uh, working at a travel agency at the time, and that's she was his guide. So that's how they met, and I guess they fell in love and decided um, that my mom should move to Hawaii, where my dad was living and working, and raise a family with him, and the, go on a, you know an adventure into the U.S., which is kind of cool and brave and
0: fun. I have to say, um, just be- before we keep going on the interview, I got to tell y'all that this interview is really special because Vehia' is actually calling in all the way from Mo'orea. So um, Vahia and I are doing our best with the uh, audio quality. <laughs> but between Mo'orea Hi. to, I imagine, the cable to Tahiti and Hawaii and then all, of, all the way trying to connect to U.S. or, or at least mainland, right, is probably going to have a little bit of bugs. But wow, Vihya, like what an amazing story. He, he was visiting and she was his guide and must have been a lovely guide because he ended up partnering her. <laughs> I know that story all too well, as as you probably know. <laughs> but that's beautiful. And then um, are you the, the oldest? Woman. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely beautiful and, you know. We, we can't say no, right, once they come into our lives. <laughs> um, you, are you the firstborn or are there other siblings?
1: So my dad is actually, like I was saying, he's from California. So he had uh, his first wife um, and two kids that were born and raised there. And then he moved to Hawaii to work. Uh, my dad was in golfing. You know, his, that was his profession. Like he was a professional golfer. And so Hawaii and the Pacific was um, a big, part of the golfing lifestyle and so when he came back with my mom they started a family and I have one older so two older brothers from his first marriage and then one older brother who is also half Tahitian like I am. I am calling him from Mo'orea, but uh, like I said um my family's story starts in Hawaii like my story I'm born and raised in on the island of Oahu in Pearl City, spent my whole life there until university, no, even after university. Um, I feel super grateful to be a part of the Moa in that way. Like I'm not born and raised on my island of Mo'orea or in Tahiti, but I still come from the Pacific, you know, I'm raised on an island. I understand how important our ocean is. I understand island cultures and I understand it from different perspective than someone in Tahiti. And I think that that's um, only a blessing, you know, to have, to be able to have these different perspectives and understandings of, even though we're neighbors, can be so the colonial powers, you know, America and Hawaii and France in Tahiti. So I didn't even speak French when I was growing up. So I couldn't even speak to my family and stuff like that, which is unfortunate, but we're all part of the same Historical, you know, story.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Especially with um, Hawai'i's historical roots with Tahiti, and and then there's you know the historical roots between um, folks staying on on a certain island, right? Like your family, that's an amazing lineage to have six generations back in your Fenua of Moorea, and I and I just I think that's really says a lot about a person that it, they're very grounded. Enough to even go back, right?
1: Yeah, I think um, my mom did a really good job at in- incorporating a Tahitian identity into us by, I think, just being herself in America and in Hawaii. Like, uh, she, she uh, was a part of these clubs in Hawaii which maintained um Tahitian communities together. So, like, it was called the Yorana te- Club, and often band back together and do praying together. Um, they would put the, I think it was called Tahiti Fet, like back in the day in Hawaii. <laughs> um, you know, they would get together and eat and talk. And so I feel like pretty grounded in my Tahitian identity, even though I'm from Hawaii. But, you know, I've never questioned the fact that I'm Tahitian because I grew up around Tahitian people and I grew up in my mom speaking. You hearing speaking French to my aunties in Hawaii and, you know, uh, practicing her culture a certain way, being surrounded by dance and music. And yeah, I think that he, it was, um, it's really interesting to be born and raised in Hawaii, but still have a strong Tahitian identity, but it, we're able to do it. So chapeau to her, chapeau to mom.
0: <laughs> Definitely strong figure you know, mom's um, presence, even over the phone, um, when you had come and had dinner with us. Uh, <laughs> well, first off, uh, about you being raised over there, I have to comment. For us, that was really inspiring to spend time with you, get to know you. And also, like, we we, we didn't know you growing up. Um, I didn't know you growing up, neither did Veda, either, you know, here in the States or in Tahiti. But to see you as, like, this fully grown person and the way you came out, so rooted, so... Um, close to your culture, it's inspiring for us, right? Because I'm raising my kids outside of Tahiti as well, but also with a strong Tahitian mother. And so to see how you ended up, it really inspires me and and makes me feel um, like it's possible, right? I always had that fear that I'm not doing enough, <laughs> or I'm not bringing them back enough, or they're not around their people enough. And I always had that fear that, that they wouldn't be close to their culture. But when I see how you are as an adult, I hope that they end up that way as well. You know,
1: I mean, I totally (laughs) understand that. And I don't think it's um, necessarily easy either, because uh, a lot of people question, you know, outsiders will question my identity, like people that don't don't know me or hear the way I talk because I talk with an American accent. And I think also that being in Hawaii, when I was going to university, there was a pretty strong resurgence of cultural pride and rights in Hawaii and so that also really helped me to become comfortable in my identity as a Tahitian person as well and the contemporary Tahitian identity you know like it's 2022 Tahitian people have been traveling and voyaging you know intermarrying and that's a really valid and authentic identity as well you know not just uh, sticking to something some kind
0: of Tahitian identity
1: that's from the 1600s, you know?
0: <laughs> right, absolutely <laughs> agree with you. yeah, totally, totally agree. I think um, um, I did. I did notice when you came to have dinner with us, it was pretty amazing discovery for you and Videa. She said she felt like your family with her already, right when she picked you up, and then after like. Only two or three minutes worth of digging, we found how you guys are related. <laughs> and what what do you um so so you mentioned like, you know, this Tahitian identity, but that's the thing that is like no one can question genealogy, you know? Um, do you do you see it as a super important key to identity? Um, you know, knowing your tupuna and things like that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't grow up necessarily knowing like how my how far back my lineage went but because um it you know culture interests me and like i was saying especially when i got to university and um i i saw my hawaiian you know uh friends learning so much about their own culture and how empowering that was to them then that inspired me to learn more about my own genealogy which my mom knew you know she knew she that was passed down to her from and stuff like that. And so I was like, OK, now as an adult, I have to take on my own responsibilities of learning things that um, are important to our culture. You know, and maybe they weren't um, necessarily passed down to me, but if I really want to be if I really think this is important, then I'll take the time to invest in it. So I, I took time to invest in where my lineages came from, what lands I'm responsible to. And the more I even learn about my culture, the more fulfilled I become. So it's like only a positive, it's like a positive cycle, you know? I don't look at it as like, oh, I don't know. So I'm sad about that. I look at it as like, oh, that's something I can learn about and it'll make me feel even more comfortable and uh, understand myself even deeper and uh, understand my family and my family's lives even deeper.
0: That's such a positive way to put it. I mean, like, let's draw back to even what you just said a couple of minutes ago about not being the old school Tahitian from just the 1600s. I mean, if it were back then, you'd have like your genealogy passed to you orally and you'd have to memorize it, right? <laughs> and and today's modern Tahitian will research and find, you know, ask questions and understand um, what their lineages are. And like you said, what lands you are also you're a child of, right? Because uh, I see that with my children too. It's so easy as an outsider to just write it off, like, oh, my wife's from Tahiti, so my kids are Tahitian. The more I dug, I the more I saw they're also from Rurutu, they're also from Tubuai they're also from Mopiti they're also from um, Manihi or you know the Tuamotus. And then it was it was just kind of crazy, like, you and Verea. Yes, it's it's goes kind of far back. But actually, y'all are from the same ancestor, which is kind of wild to me, right? Because essentially, you were like a stranger that we met <laughs> through like different communities, you know, uh, connections. But we didn't know like y'all were related from like the exact same ancestor, which is I believe it's Charles Davy. And then talking to mom too, when you called mom, it was like an instant connection with her and Videa, right? Like it, it felt like hearing mom on the phone felt like one of my um, one of my in-laws, like one of my uh, like one of my mother-in-law or father-in-law's like sisters you know what i mean like it felt natural to hear them talk too and so um for us that was just like yeah that was a pretty impactful night actually for us after you left we talked about it for a long time you know how how positive it was to spend time with you and how we hope (laughs) our kids are gonna end up if they're raised more out here we hope that they do what you did and really find their roots and even go back and live there you know
1: yeah, yeah. Um I agree. When when we, we, we met each other and then uh, we found that out, I was like, oh of course. Tahitians were always, you know, not that far from each other when it comes to being family. And um and it's something that that older people talk about, you're right, like when they they uh get together and they're like, oh, so what family do you come from? And like where is your uh who, who's your dad or who's who's your mom like this it's it's actually a pretty common uh kind of conversation for older people so yeah i can see how that sounds really familiar and like seeing my mom do that is like want makes me want to do that you know and now i feel that's one of the reasons too that inspires me to learn more about my genealogy and culture is like there's so much to learn i'm like it's like right at my fingertips you know
0: you're right and you know on the in the world of like, um, cultural practitioners or culture keepers, um, I'd say like you and Veda are on the younger side. Right. But that was interesting when y'all sat down and had that conversation. Cause I saw it was a learned behavior. Cause I've seen the older folks do that, you know, as soon as they meet each other, if they don't, if they don't already know each other. And I've seen the older folks question Vaidea, like, who's your parents? Who's your grandparents? Oh, I know your grandpa from da da da. And when y'all did that, actually, I know you're, you, you give a lot of, um, respect and props to your mom, but I have to give props to you because you're pretty good. Like you, you climbed up pretty high to find, and like you, I remember like you were like immediately like your jaw dropped. You're like, oh no, okay, wait, Charles, Davy, and you you had to. I remember you called mom to like double check, but I gave you props for <laughs> you climbed back pretty far. Like it's probably like what five or six generations up. And yeah, that's out. Yeah. <laughs> you still pretty, you, you know, out of, you figure that out of all those ancestors, you remembered pretty well, you know, I mean, her too. So I give both of y'all props for that. I mean, that's pretty removed, you know, but it's, it's amazing that, that, that to me is, um, like I said, it's learned behavior. Y'all have obviously been around your parents doing that enough to understand how that exchange works.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: I have questions about Maui culture, but, um, you know, prior to that, I, I'm so interested in hearing about what, it, what inspired you to move to Mo'orea. And um, if you could tell us also about what kind of work you've been doing in Mo'orea, because I, I find all the Annavai projects super interesting.
1: Yeah, it's true that I'm born and raised in Hawaii and now I'm living in Mo'orea. That happened, that was like a slow transition. I came and really like fully moved here three years ago, but I spent about five or six years coming on and off like for a few months. Like I would come and live in Morea, then I would go back to Hawaii, then I would come and live in Morea, then I would go back to Hawaii. And I was really inspired by that because, I mean, I was really inspired to do that because I was realizing like as as an adult that living in Hawaii and having this American identity, I was living in, I lived in the US too, like, that I really didn't know enough about my culture. You know, I was like learning a lot about Hawaiian culture because that's where I was living, but I was like but if my mom is Tahitian, then I should be I should know, you know, what it means to really be Tahitian. Like, first of all, I didn't even really speak French. <laughs> I didn't really speak Tahitian, and I was like it's my responsibility to learn those things and and I really wanted to because when I was living in the US, people would obviously, and even in Hawaii, people would ask you like, oh, where are you from? And, you know, where are your parents from? And, you know, if you don't have answers to that, then it feels like you're kind of, you know, an empty person. So I was like, well, I I can do this. I can go and live in Morea and, um, and this will be an opportunity to learn, you know, more about things that are happening on the ground and and things that are they learn even just more about this place like I really I had no idea about the other archipelago's I had no idea like what their cultures were and so I, I decided to do it so I decided that when I was at university getting my master's I would do some research here and, and have that as an opportunity to come and live here and spend some time here. So I studied um, urban planning and Pacific studies. And so I do like environmental and cultural research. And that's what I do currently. I'm like currently doing my doctorate and I'm doing my research on ancestral land and ocean management. And it's really just a way to uplift like what we know about our own places and our own management and uplift our own management and the way we do things on our land. And that's why I chose it. And yeah, I started a, an association here too uh, to kind of share, like, whatever I I know with youth around here. Like, if I would love to see youth on Orea become, you know, doctorates and sci- scientific people. And at the moment, it's not really the case. I mean, there's more and more that are becoming um, the higher, I don't want to say like higher educated, but I guess... Um, who continue on in school and want to do research and want to do research about their own culture and their environment. It's starting to grow more, but I would like to see that be really something that Tahitian people are known for, like as really smart and really uh, motivated and powerful and understand their history and their culture and where they're going.
0: Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start in responding. I know that
1: was kind of a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was
0: amazing. No, it was amazing because you just said a lot of points that I just felt were super imperative for folks to hear. Right. Let me dissect that. So first off, I think you're right about the education piece. Um, The more folks that walk away with, you know, that higher education, um, the better for the entire, you know, I don't want to say ecosystem, but I guess like social system or group of folks, especially in the kind of work that you're doing, which is important, right? People are seeing you with the va'as that come visit. They're seeing you when they visit Moria. They're seeing you, you know, you're able to speak English. I mean, because you're from here. So we're communicating with you over here, us, us Americans. And I think the message that you carry is a lot deeper than just saying like, oh, well, you know, I, I live here and it's, it's great. You know, I'm a, I'm a guide, you know, I mean, all that's cool too. Right. That's all awesome. But I think that it's really important work you're doing because you, you carry a message and you have a goal. Right. Um, And also all that research you're doing, right. That's amazing work and, and not easy to work with it's, it's heavy work, you know,
1: like I was saying that, uh, ancestral land and ocean management as a way to, as a, as a guide for a uh, free and independent Tahiti and Pacific, uh, Tahiti, basically. Uh, so I named it Tiawapi, mm-hmm. uh Ancestral Land Management for a Decolonial Future in Maohinui. This was inspired, like I was saying, um, by getting to know my culture more kind of a contemporary issue because we have uh, a lot of uh, issues with climate change right now and we have to think about the future right we have um, issues with land management between families where there's a lot of conflicts and that shouldn't be the future for my domari, you know I don't want them to go through that so um, and I'm also trying to value what we knew and how we lived you know we lived in community we were able to share land we were able to live 100% off the land local bio, whatever so I'm like that's the answer you know like we need to look to our ancestors yes and our their knowledge for what they can give us for the future and Mm -hmm. that's a a Tahitian perspective you know to what we say you know in Tahiti is like walking backwards into the future
0: right that makes sense i mean you know maohinui other than the islands that america has their 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 say on right uh, maohinui is really like the last islands that europe that, that's, that's, that's that's right right all the other islands are not they don't have european presence except Maui Nui. so i can imagine how important that work will be for the future because if and when um, the Collins are decolonized and if France ever made its grand exit, right, there'd have to be a plan for <laughs> uh, Hinui to sustain itself. So I, I totally, totally agree with that work and I encourage you to keep going. Faitoito, I love that. Um, Thanks,
1: I need it. Yes, I, it. I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know because we talked about this and that's why uh, Verea and I are both like, we're, we're trying to let folks know, too. We're like, oh, so, yes, we're a fan of her work, but we're not just a fan. We're uh, also, you know, like partnering with her because we have the same vision for Mauhi Nui. But anything we could do to try to push it out there and tell folks, whenever we had a chance, we would. I just told my friend about the work you are doing the other day. I mean, I didn't know to the full extent of, like, say, your dissertation, but I was letting him know about how you, um, because he's also Demi Mauhi, um, he's, half, he's half Ma'ohi, half um, American. And I was letting him know about what kind of work you've been doing and how we admired that you went back to Moorea.
1: It's true. It's all about our our shared vision for the future, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And putting that into place.
0: You know, I, I got to ask you something. I know that this is kind of a maybe tougher topic to tackle. But I asked a couple other people this and I was wondering what you thought. I know that you and I have had our words about it. You know, what are the important things you wish non-Tahitians knew about being Maohi or Tahitian, especially in regards to this entire (laughs) overseas Tahitian dance community that operates almost entirely without Tahitian people or Tahitian voices, right? I don't know. Like, what are some of the important things you wish? I'm going to say us outsiders because I'm an outsider too. But what are the important things you wish outsiders knew?
1: Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, yeah, as a Tahitian person, I see uh, this phenomenon, this like worldwide phenomenon of ori uh, taking off in, you know, France and America and Japan. While I don't personally take part in ori and it's not necessarily my passion, I do have a lot of questions for the these groups in terms of how they are really supporting the land where this dance comes from because they're choosing to take part in our culture right I don't know if people are asking them to so they're choosing to take on the responsibility of being a part of Tahitian culture and when you take on responsibility uh that responsibility it's the pretty stuff and it's the really hard stuff and so when I see them I see a lot of nice stuff I see like the dancing and the ahu, you know, the, the way that we dress and the frapu and all of that, but I don't necessarily see enough of those groups supporting people on the ground in terms of economic situations, social situations, political situations, coming out and making any statements, supporting us and our rights as Indigenous people. And actually that's, Why I was so attracted to your guys' center because I was like, I like came across it on Facebook. I was like, what is this center that's Tahitian? They're actually like celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day. Like that's a first, you know. (laughs) Like as much as we should be part taking part of that, I don't see that. Like people aren't making these statements that we need to be making. That's really why I liked your guys' stuff and. Yeah, I have questions for those groups, and I would like answers from them as
0: well. I feel like a lot of Maui people that I've met after having been married to Vaidea, after having had children with her, would then feel comfortable enough to open up to me and say, you know, what's going on in California, right? <laughs> they're not talking to me about Mexico, Japan, France, because I'm not from those places, but they're asking me about California in particular, right? And they're like, you know, uh, who are those groups with, you know, what, what did they mean when they use that name. You know, those kind of things and I I kind of have no answers cuz I'm I think they're just saying it to me cuz they feel comfortable enough to say it to me. But I, at the same time, they know and I know I'm not like an ambassador for all these groups. So, I don't really have answers for them, you know, and 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 I don't I try not to go there of like attacking anybody or making it like there's just one bad guy. I don't think there's one bad guy. I think there's different factors that have played into, you know, different types of cultural appropriation, or um, I think that the whole thing too, is what you said, like no one's, no one's asked anybody to step in and fulfill that responsibility, right? It's people choosing to, I think one of the harmful narratives is when people say Tahitians need us to perpetuate their culture because their culture is dying. I mean, that might've been the narrative in say your parents or Vaidea's parents' time when there's a big clampdown from France to, you know, not teach Reo Tahitian school, not use um, Maui names as your legal name. You know those kind of things. Like we talked about that before, and that may have been the narrative before that Tahitians were, you know, saying to other people like, "Oh, we need to promote the islands because the culture is dying." But today, in 2022, the culture is not dying. The number of dance schools in Tahiti has tripled. The kids are learning Reo Tati or Reo Maui in the schools, you know. So that narrative has changed. So I, I think that what you're saying is important because maybe folks need to have a hard look at, well, what has changed since not just the early 2000s, but the 90s maybe, right? With so much interaction now because of social media, maybe, I think that Tahiti's changed dramatically in that sense, you know. But I, I appreciate yep. your insights. I really do. Because, you know, it means a lot coming from you because you're not doing anything. What so you don't you don't have to answer to anybody or have a filter regarding, you know, say your thoughts. Right. It has to do with lineage. Ancestors has to do with not just that, but you're not just like the station that's living there and you have the bloodline to say it. It's you're doing all this cultural work. You're doing important environmental work that folks need to know about, you know, and I hope that folks hop on board and support you. That's what we're asking for. You know, Vejia and I already vowed this year. We're like, we're going to do less of the dancing stuff and stuff with the dance community and more for our families. You know, that was a big initiative for this podcast so that our families had a voice, you know, so Vehia, thank you. Maruru.
1: Thank you. I mean, we could talk about it. I want to expand a little bit more as actually, because we're talking now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I
1: had no idea that people were saying they needed to save our culture. And that's actually part of, well, in this ODTT context, like that's actually part of a bigger problem, which I encounter a lot with research as well, about how um, other people are outsiders are writing our history for us and not necessarily going through the cultural protocols that are required when coming into our lands and asking for knowledge and sharing that knowledge and, um, the responsibility of giving back. You know, it's a, always a reciprocal relationship when we're talking about things that go on in Tahiti. It's, it's, a, it's a cultural value, you know, reciprocity. And so um, I think that this is a, an issue in, in general when it, if it comes to business or if it comes to Tahiti or if it comes to research, outsiders speaking for us is that Um, they need to really buckle down and get together on their ethics and understand what, first of all, what cultural protocol is and how that operates in Tahiti. It doesn't operate within an American model of coming in and taking, you know. It operates within a model of reciprocity. And so that's like the biggest message that I would like to give those people. And they can reciprocate, of course, like you were saying, through Promoting people's uh, associations or organizations or talking about really important political stuff or uh, environmental stuff. And so that should be a call to any of the listeners about how they can self reflect on furthering and cultivating a deeper relationship with us.
0: I'm glad you expanded on that. I am. I mean, there's a lot of friends that we have here that I have already known in the community or. That has come across that she and I have both agreed, like their heart is in it definitely, um, and and a lot of f- we know some folks that have taken a lot of steps to do that. You know that reciprocity of exchange, right? How much are you, you know, what are you going in there and taking? But then what are you giving back? You know, um, and and I think that it, it it does have to do with the the best way you could do it isn't just throwing money at people, but also showing support and then using the platform you have when you have like 200 dancers that learn from you to bring in folks that are um you know not just well known in tahiti but folks that carry a good message and are not just in it for selling the culture but mm. you know taking the time to also you know share the right information i agree mm. with that totally and i think the other issue like you said is is the fact that yes, I think that it's not just that foreigners writing the history books, but foreigners um, using that narrative, right? So I say that as like a foreigner myself, I never, I always tell folks like whenever I've come across that or they're like, well, you know, the culture is um, dying out. And I, and I, I'm like, yeah, it was, I think definitely in like the eighties and, you know, it was getting endangered, (laughs) You know and and yet, though your parents' generation did a really good job of not allowing it to die out. I mean, look at the first step they took as soon as they could all change you know as soon as they could name their children Mauhi names like they they did right does your does like your name is Vehia does your brother have a Mauhi name too? Uh, yeah he yeah, see so for Vadeya 's family it's like her and all the siblings born around the same time as you and your brother it's like they did the first step which is like let's first even just identify our children with with being maohi you know what i mean rather than naming them like french names and so you know i don't think that it should have it should never be like that the foreigners are saving the culture it was no it was the generation that was scared their culture would die out that that they saved the culture you know what i mean because they went around yeah. and raised like you and Vaidea. You know what I mean? To have that kind of mind to think that way about the culture.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, Titian people should be uh, recognized for all that they've done for their, you know, for us, our generation and the future generations, because they were um, going through like the ban of language and they're still that still talk to their kids in, in uh, Rio Titi. I mean, the context, you know, has been, yeah, hurtful to our people, but we're so resilient that we're coming out of it so strong, you know, and we right. can only grow strong. Right. So that's a good point. To recognize the Nuna and how much effort people are, are putting into our future. It's an interesting conversation that you're bringing up because... We don't, you're right, we don't talk about it enough, like, publicly. We don't have, we aren't having these really robust public conversations, even though it. it we should be, because Oritihiti is not just, um, belo- it doesn't just belong to people who dance Oritihiti, you know? Even though I don't dance Oritihiti, it's a part of my culture. So it belongs to the population, and the population really should be having these discussions ourselves and with outsiders about what we consider most appropriate ways to engage you know and like when I've spoken out about it just on like social media kind of stuff I've had friends be like oh I've felt uncomfortable with Ori Tahiti worldwide but I didn't have the words to say it because we aren't having enough of these conversations you know
0: yeah I mean there's folks in Tahiti that are group leaders that are even upset about that right UNESCO um, French Polynesia put forth three things for um, world heritage. One was Marae Taputapuatea, the other was the Patutiki Marquesian motifs, and then the other was the Oriteti. And UNESCO fully took um, Marae Taputapuatea. They agreed for that, they agreed for the Patutiki, but they rejected the Oriteti because they said that it was universal property. <laughs> And this was, you know, they mentioned this on Polynesian Premiere. They had like a whole debate about it. Mm. But I can imagine like, you know, for, for people in Tahiti to hear that, it's like, wait, what? What do you mean universal property? You know?
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I didn't even know UNESCO was trying to get, get hold of Orititi. I'm kind of glad. I'm glad they didn't actually.
0: <laughs> well, they were, they were trying to put it, you know, register under French Polynesia. You know, which oh, okay. was in a win for the country, but then oh, okay, okay. once they kind of reviewed it, they said it was not something that is eligible to become like something that belong quote unquote belong to right air quotes belong to French Polynesia. Definitely not least is I do want to ask you as we're trying to bridge the diasporas of Tatian American people together. Um, you know, whether that's in different states or even like connections with you and being in Tahiti, but also being um, American as well. What do you think it will take for us to build that solid community? You know, do we need more projects like this? Do we need meetups? What do you envision?
1: Like I was saying how I grew up with was in Hawaii, but constantly around Tahitian people and constantly seeing my culture in front of me, you know people expressing that through dance or brang or their language. And so I think that would really, you know, that's the most ideal is to continue to get people together for, um, to build, to build that community and maintain that community and our cultural values, you know, no matter where you are, you, you're Tahitian, that's important to perpetuate. It's important to maintain that identity for yourselves and for us too, you know, people that are into TV. But I think you, I I mean, but honestly, I think you guys are doing an excellent job and using like modern day technology to really talk about something that, um, and give a voice and a platform and an image to our identity, which has honestly hasn't been spoken about uh, that much, you know, like, Tahiti, France, France, Tahiti, that's, we always hear about them. We, we know about like people that are Demi that are half French or have family in France and blah, blah, blah. But P- Tahitian people living outside of France and especially like within neighboring countries, not that far from us, we don't hear about it that much. And so I think you guys are doing an excellent job already just by having this podcast and like, can you imagine a young person listening to his podcast and be like, Hey, that's me. You know, that representation is important. It's important enough to talk about and it'll help them maintain and be comfortable in their identity. So, I mean, keep going, keep going. You guys are doing great.
0: No, thank you. I, I, I can only see, you know, if we selfishly just poured it all into just our children, um, it's, it's, I mean, seriously though, it's not, it doesn't like, we talk about sustainability, right? It doesn't, it won't sustain them as enough, right? Cause they could have this father who's, um, you know, aware of these things, conscious of these things because um, their mother opened his eyes. They could have this mother who's super strong with her words and her identity knows who she is, knows her genealogy, knows her language, knows where she's from. And that's all good and great. But what I want is to empower those around us in our community, whether it's um, other, other families like ours, where one parent is Haitian and the other is American, and so, you know, have children that are like ours as well, growing up outside Tahiti, or folks like you who you came exactly from that situation. And now you're, you know, you're in the same generation as us. So you're amongst us and working with us to make that happen. But what I would want is to um, keep uplifting those voices because when my kids are older, um, I would want them to be able to ask you, like, you know, Tati, what, you did all this work, you did your dissertation on this, and now we're, we're in this direction for our country, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lead this movement, and what, in what way do we go? You know what I mean? That's the connections I, I'm hoping that we set down roots for now and so that, you know, what I envision is when they're older, they have a solid community. They know who they can call, you know, it's not just me and, and their mom for things, but also like if they call Tati Vehia to ask about like, you know, all the environmental work she did and how it tied in with the ancient studies from um, the old culture before colonization, or, you know, hitting up different folks that I've interviewed because they heard straight up on this podcast, what, what, what our vision was in 2022, you know? So that's really like the big mission of it. And, I really, really want to thank you for being part of that. And just thanks for having our back. Like, wow, you know, um, it's it's not every day that we have somebody that's just willing to speak from the heart, right? <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I see it. I see it as only that. I don't see it that we're attacking anybody. I don't see it that we've called anybody out. I, I just see it like these are valid questions. These are valid points that I think anybody outsider or Maho, can can think about and really um, do some soul searching on. So. You know, thank you. Thank you, Vahia. I appreciate you.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, when you're right. Like, um, if you're, seeing, you know, creating this community so that we can depend on each other, I mean, that's only, that's the best and most ma'ohi way to go about it. I totally agree. I mean, we're all in the same ba'a, right?
0: That's right. Totally, totally.
1: Well, as always, shout out to my mom. Shout out to, um, and my dad, and my family. And shout out to uh, Pearl City, Hawaii, Oahu. Always got to represent. Shout out to Morea, to you guys.
0: Thank you so much for being here, Vehia. Um, hope to have you back on the show again. And um, yeah, look forward to seeing you soon in person.
1: You too. Maruru.
0: Maruru. <laughs>